Welcome to the Brick Podcast. I'm Rachel Gary, Brick's assistant editor, here to kick off a new season of readings and discussion. Today, we'll be hearing from authors featured in our latest issue, Brick 111. We'll open with Karen Benning, who will read from her piece, A Little Globule of Silver, an essay in which she explores her relationship to the element lithium, a basic ingredient of our planet, a drug used to treat mental illness, and more specifically, the drug her own mother used. Next up, Jesse Nathan will read his poem, What the Farmer Said, followed by Kayama L. Glover, who will share her translation of I Know a Word, a poem by Haitian writer and revolutionary René de Pestre, which traces his emotional and political commitments to Haiti. We will close out the episode with Omar al reading from his essay, Seven Swims, a piece which charts his course from the pools of Doha to Oregon and those in between, pausing on moments of levity, elation, and flow. Without further ado, Karen Benning. Excerpt from A Little Globule of Silver. Lithium in its pure form shines and when lit burns bright like a tiny temporary beacon of safety. I have before me, wrote a St. Louis physician in 1889, carefully preserved in petroleum, sealed in a fused glass tube, a shining white metallic pea resembling exactly, so far as looks go, a little globule of silver. Over the previous three decades, the button of metallic lithium had passed through a series of owners before making its way across an ocean and then inland to Missouri. The physician had reason to be excited about his new possession, especially in light of its pedigree. The lithium had originally been placed into its tube in Heidelberg, Germany, and the lab of a man, the tube's new owner, referred to as Immortal Master, Robert Bunsen. If you do not immediately visualize a Bunsen burner, you may be the one person who fared worse in eighth grade chemistry than I did. That it is not silver, its new owner wrote, is manifest as soon as you lift the tube, for it apparently has no weight. Nearly a century later, airlight lithium would become a gold standard in helping to lift the heaviest of weights, severe mental illness. In some cases, though, it could also become the weight itself. What the farmer said. So I hear you're through. Had enough of amber waves, etc. The situation stinks to high heaven, sure. The future feels rough. Of course, when I began, there seemed no way to shrink inputs, and we were just absorbing what a bust our growth really was. Still, I wager what some grew was more than greed. A love, in my case, for the light on water in a fallow field. And I love my shoulders dressed with sunshine. Way nothing interrupts the light out here except a far-off yield sign flashing as the sun dies, and then out come the lightning bugs and the powder stars of the countryside. Point being, I wish you'd reconsider. Stay and be a saving remnant. Look, my rusted harrow already earthbound by volunteer cedars. No more plow the dew under. New roots for a coalition of no to growth, no till, and prime to let the dew do its benign labor as we retire time-worn lines. Stay on, won't you?
I Know a Word by René de Vestre. I know a word that flutters like wings. It provokes vertiginous joys. It resuscitates immortal hours. It fills the sail of my dreams. It fixes a glimmer of love in the corner of my eyes. I know a word of epic torment. It floats on the kaleidoscope of prairies, a fiddler riding on the wind, on the erosion of the hills, on the distress of cicadas, on the song of the nightingale, on the immovable and unsettled sea. I know a word of Caribbean charms. It glimmers in the bends and the rivers, in the moon at the bottom of watery pools, in the rustling of leaves, in the babbling of the cradle, in the smoky plumes of thatched huts. I know a word with an incalculable past that tramples on the scowling of pompous lips, is enthroned in the misery of attic rooms, in the riveted slumber of straw mats, in the overflowing of cities, in the solitude of tombs. I know a word that blazes with history. It performs the reveille for fiery mornings, for gatherings in brotherly forests, for cane fields that aflame by suffering, for the unrest of thousands of oppressed, for freedom flitting on wings of death. I know a word that belongs to everyone, to shackled peasants and to damsels in bejeweled dresses, and to pontiffs with their heads in the abyss, and to hollow-cheeked children and to guinea fowl in the forest glades. I know a word that encloses my entire life, my hopes, my sadness, my evening spent in tete-a-tete, my leaping about like a foal released into the savannah of the world. This word gives meaning to my life. It explains the color of my skin, the fatality of my kisses, my hatred of compromise, the slackening of my hands, ever ready to strike those who will have cheapened their charge as men. This word is my future. This word is my love. This word is my madness, Haiti. Hey everyone, my name's Omar Alakad. It's such a pleasure to be part of Brick 111. This is a small sample from the piece I wrote for that issue. It's called Seven Swims. And this section is titled, The American Ambassador's Villa. It must have been the fall of 1988, or the winter of 1989. We were first graders at a pool party. We lost our minds. For a few hours, it was all cannonballs and sugar and squealing. And maybe somewhere on the periphery, a grown-up in the employ of the embassy was watching to make sure none of us drowned. But they were invisible to us then or invisible in my recollection now. I remember it was a hot day. Of course it was. We lived in a desert. There were all hot days. I thought I remembered the smell of chlorine, though I'm probably superimposing it onto the memory because it would make sense for the pool to smell like chlorine. I don't remember the face or voice of the ambassador's daughter, my first crush. I don't remember what we said to each other, during those couple of minutes when we found ourselves alone under the diving board, hanging off the edge as it rubber-banded under the feet of our diving classmates. The only thing I remember clearly is feeling in that moment, for the first time in my life, completely weightless. In the more than three decades since, I've only come close to that same lightness a handful of times. Brief, carefree bursts amid the sludge of obligation 
and anxiety and numbing day-to-dayness of growing old. Moments when water does what it does, pulls the punctuation out of the body's sentences, and life can be lived as it should be, in run-ons. listening to the brick podcast for more from these writers be sure to get your copy of brick 111 and follow us online for all things brick including weekly essays from writers we love thanks for listening